Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode in a special edition, a special series of the Boca Podcast brand position consultation. And today I am joined by none other than Rachel Sima Castro. Rachel, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. and I'm really excited. Well, and, and for everybody listening in, you might hear a little extra boost of energy in my voice because Rachel is so committed to this this episode that she even went on Amazon and ordered a <laughs> headset and mic so she could sound good. I'm so impressed, Rachel. Uh, I heard you complimenting a previous a, pre- a previous interviewee yeah. about their audio quality. <laughs> You know, I don't, I, maybe I'm total nerd, but it really makes a difference at the end of the day, especially if you play podcasts in a car. So you've got this like surround sound situation going on. And if you turn on a podcast where, I, I mean, I've heard them where, you know, like a host has poor audio quality, it just detracts from the overall experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can. It can. Yeah. So anyway, to, to that end, I appreciate your commitment to the quality <laughs> of audio and I, this is a great start to the conversation. We have an interesting conversation ahead of us. I actually, and I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, I just got your email, I don't know, a little bit ago, not very long ago, earlier today, um, about the direction that you're wanting to go with one of your photography brands. You're, you're creating a separate brand for boudoir photography. Uh, what this means, though, is that the amount of research that I might normally have put into prepping for the conversation was not quite as much. Uh, which I kind of like. I like the challenge of doing things on the fly. Uh, but I think it also will make our conversation that much more natural and kind of raw in that it is going to be a conversation. We're going to be bouncing ideas around. We're going to be brainstorming on air. And I think our listeners will get some good perspective through the process about how to go about this this uh, exploration of a brand position statement. And uh, if we land on a final statement at the end, that's great. If not, if if we at least move in the right direction and give you a kind of a head start in the right direction, I think it'll be great too. And it'll be a value add for our listeners regardless. So um, thanks again for doing this. And before we get into your brand, because I I think it's quite interesting, actually, the direction that you're going, will you just briefly share with our listeners uh, what market you're based in and uh, what type of photography you currently are telling your clients you specialize in? Sure. Okay. So I am based in Sacramento, California, capital, and I serve all of Northern California. So Primarily, I work in Sacramento, San Francisco, Bay Area, so Oakland and Berkeley. And I am primarily a film portrait photographer. Okay. What percentage of of your images are captured on film? Is it 100%? 100% of what you see online is captured on film. Okay. If I'm working with a tricky lighting situation or I have, if I'm doing events, those I I do actually work hybrid, but I prize the film images. Yeah. So those are what you would see. 
And you mentioned, I noticed on one of your posts or uh, blog posts or social media, you mentioned the HP5 black and white film. Is that a favorite black and white film of yours? I do. I love that one. I I love several, but that is a very beautiful one, especially in 35 millimeter, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. And and speaking of cameras, I notice your Instagram profile, one of your Instagram accounts is you holding, it looks like a twin lens camera where you're looking in from the top. Yeah, that's the Hasselblad. Actually, that one was recently at Photo Native, we, which is a conference in for for photographers and a lot of film photographers um, in Southern California that I went to recently. They had Richard Photo Lab came and lent us some different fun cameras to play with. Wow. So that was actually not it's not my camera. That was the camera I was playing with at the conference. Well, those twin lens cameras are a ton of fun. I have, I've mentioned this in the podcast, but I have a Yashica twin lens medium format camera that works very similarly to that Hasi. And, you know, everything is fully manual. So your focus is manual, shutter speed, aperture, and then that that little release. It almost feels like a toy. It's just this tiny little click when you push the yeah. shutter button. But it, it can photograph beautifully. And, uh, and and I keep talking about it, thinking about it. And I need to go back and pull it out and shoot with it again because I, I truly enjoy it. It's, it's a really enjoyable experience. I shot in, on film to start my career. When I started in 2001, uh, I was shooting 35-millimeter film, eventually added medium format, and then, of course, the digital world exploded. And uh, I I shifted to mostly digital, still shot a bit of film. I have a a Russian panoramic 35 millimeter (laughs) camera that I would photograph our clients on. And it was cool kind of gift to give to our clients. Um, But I do have some experience in film. And I shot primarily with with Kodak. Do you have a preferred brand? Yeah, Kodak. I'm, I'm a Kodak girl myself. Are you? Okay, very cool. Well, I, I don't want to geek out too much on film. I do want to move kind of back to the direction of brand position. Um, and before we dig into your brand, just for everybody listening in, if you've not heard these brand position consultations episodes before or episodes where I've talked about brand position, brand position is a piece of the marketing puzzle. It's not an end-all be-all, to be clear, but it's a really important element. And it's one that's really not stressed a whole lot in the photography industry, and I've seen an opportunity to talk about it. So we are. Very simply, brand position is a unique value proposition. The unique value proposition, uh, or at least hopefully it's unique, uh, of that photography business in their market, local market or otherwise. And that's really it. But in a noisy world where there are a lot of photographers and a lot of digital noise in our various social media platforms, Many photographers have not established what their brand position is. So they, in many cases, or in many ways, may just be seen as another photographer. And having a distinct brand position enables us to more, um, in fact, if, if I list off the very specific benefits, it enables, first of all, for us to make clear what our UVP is to a potential client. If a client lands on our site and they immediately see that brand position statement, they know what we stand for. As a result, number two, it filters irrelevant potential clients. Three, it simplifies and focuses our marketing efforts. If we're not juggling you know, multiple messages simultaneously, it makes it a lot easier for us to create ad campaigns and to ultimately market our business. And then four, it encourages better time management too, because it's just it's way more efficient for us to be focusing on one primary goal. If, if we come up with a really great and distinct brand position statement that's going to ultimately drive what we do in our business on a day-to-day basis... And so it enables us to focus and as a result, better manage our time. So those are the benefits of a brand position. And again, it ultimately enables us to stand out amidst the very noisy, very crowded industry at this point. But Rachel, I've noticed, so I went to your your site and and for everybody listening, and if you go to Rachel Sima Photography, so it's R-A-C-H-E-L-S-I-M-A photography.com. 
Um, currently, your your brand position statement, or so it seems, is dreamy, intimate photography for women and families. Mm-hmm. You mentioned to me that that you're actually looking at creating an additional brand, a boudoir brand. Is that right? That's right. So yeah, what what I realized, I scheduled this conversation with you a couple weeks ago, and I kept thinking about it nonstop. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, what I need is, um. I need to create, I need to separate my brands. I'm offering too much under one label. And I'd like, my heart is really in boudoir. Mm. So I'd like to, to separate that, that create a separate brand that's very specific to the type of boudoir that I want to shoot. And, um, and kind of see where that takes me. I mean, I, I specialize in film portraits to be a hundred percent transparent I will photograph anything if you <laughs> for the right amount sure. of money. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, you know, I find myself during a month. You know, I've got a headshot, some drinks, headshots for somebody tonight. I've, I've got a, a nonprofit event, a corporate event, a wedding. I, I find myself doing a lot of things, and what I would love is to be able to focus up and just do boudoir. Yeah. And I'm wondering if creating a brand that's more specific to boudoir could help fill my calendar with that. And I could start to pull back on the other variety of (laughs) things that I'm photographing. Yeah. Well, you bring up some interesting points. First of all, just because we're suggesting or I'm suggesting that photographers make an effort to be specific, to specialize, I'm not, I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting you never shoot anything else. A lot of it centers around what you show mm-hmm. and, and not so much what you actually photograph. If you occasionally mix some other things in because you want to make some extra cash or it's just fun to do something different or whatever the reason might be, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The goal here is specificity, clarity, and marketing efforts and, and ultimately connecting with the our, our ideal potential client. And mm-hmm. so I, I you know, again, I, I don't discourage in any way photographing other things, but what we do want to do is land on a really clear and distinct message. And when we talk about clarity, you know, as I was actually looking at your market in Sacramento, uh, one of the things that came up multiple times were photographers who were saying that they do. In fact, I, I don't know that I've ever seen this before, actually. Let me see if I can find the list. Yeah, here it is. So this one particular photographer, and of course, I'm not going to mention any business names or photographer names and all of this. I wanted to look through brand position statements, uh, if we can even call them that uh, in some cases, of your so-called competition in the Sacramento market, just to see how you might compare and ultimately contrast with them. Uh, And the first search that I did was just Sacramento photographer. And this particular person said that they, they had navigation for each of these points. They do corporate, headshots, wine, product, medical, editorial, architecture, food, gaming, lifestyle, and projects. And that last one may have been actually the same thing, lifestyle projects. Nonetheless, you see how many options there are there. And this is an extreme example, but it's an example of photographers not specializing. And when they, there are always exceptions. Um, and, And I will give anybody that wants to argue that point, that argument. But it makes it way easier for us to get somebody's attention if we specialize in a particular thing uh, because they have less to have to, to sort through to figure out like, what does this person actually represent? What does this business actually represent? And how are they going to add value to my life when I'm looking for 
whatever it is, fill in the blank. They're, they're going to end up confused, I think, with that navigation, don't you? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that also one, I, I get two sets of clients. I get a set of clients that come to me because they love my images and they love what I'm putting out. And um, I get a set of clients that are just know that I'm a photographer and need a picture taken. And I really, really enjoy working with the ones that are invested in me specifically because of the style of my work. So I think that 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 will that ties in really, really heavily to having a distinct brand position rather than putting myself out there as a generalist, even if I am in practice <laughs> doing a lot of general work myself. Well, specificity will go a long way, not only to in clarity and efforts of marketing, marketing efforts, but also um, if if there is something that you find most fulfilling, um, Mm -hmm. then you're going to get to the place where you can do that most often or as much as you'd like uh, more quickly Mm -hmm. if you consistently, clearly, distinctly focus on that one particular message. So currently your site, you talk about dreamy and the, the statement there on the homepage is dreamy, intimate photography for women and families. Um, what you're talking about doing now is going the direction of boudoir and creating a separate brand, which I think is really smart, um, helps minimize confusion, enables you to focus everything that you do for that brand around this idea of boudoir. And, and as far as what type, we'll get into the details of that here in just a second. But um, I, I wanted to at least start with what you currently have, Dreamy Intimate Photography for Women and Families. And you know it, the, the picture to go along with that, um, if, this, if you were speaking to intimate family photography, I, and that was the statement. I think the picture mm-hmm. to go along with that there is is a would be a beautiful example of that. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a very simple yet just stunning image of this young young boy um, laying his shoulder on. I'm assuming his mom's shoulder or laying his head on his mom's shoulder. His eyes are gorgeous, um, but it's not it's not this contrived cheesy big smile. There's a lot of depth and meaning to the image, and so this notion of intimate photography for families would be brilliant there. Where I might get lost if I were to kind of pick this apart just a little bit is trying to make sense of intimate photography for women and families, but then seeing just a picture of the boy there on the site. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, and this is not the direction we're ultimately going in the conversation, but I wanted to at least point that out. And, and for our listeners, make sure that when you do come up with a brand position statement, that the image or images that you post with that statement ultimately effectively back up or represent what you're saying with that statement. And that will help in continuity and clarity of the demonstration of or statement of that brand. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there really quick. But you, you, so there's so many different directions we can go here. This is really an interesting study to me. Um, there's, there's a theme, and we're going to get here to, I'm going to share a few more examples of some of the copy or position statements that photographers have shared in your market. But there's, there's a theme, a couple, two or three, maybe four different words that I came across in relative consistency um, as I was looking at your brand. One is the word intimate. Mm-hmm. Another was feminism or femininity. Mm-hmm. Uh, another word that you use, actually, I found really interesting is portraitist. I'm not sure if I've heard anyone use that <laughs> term before, but it sounds cool. <laughs> um, and and then there's the f- emphasis on film as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that. So those are just a few words. Will you just share briefly with me what intimate means to you? Can you kind of break that down? I guess I'm looking for tender moments. Ah, um, tender. Okay. They, they don't need to be joyful necessarily. Okay. By the way, I, I have to ask you this question. You, you yeah. brought that up. 
I've noticed that joyful is a word that photographers are throwing around quite a bit on their right. on the homepage of their site these days. Where do you think that's coming from? I, I think that some people that is what they're looking for. They're looking for the picture, uh, a picture of their clients smiling their biggest, most authentic smile. Okay, um, and I am a hundred percent can understand that and sure. I am for it. And if I was a client looking for that, then I would, I would, you know, be fine with, with hiring somebody. But for me, that's not the kind of portraits I would be interested in getting. And it's not the kind of portraits I'm interested in providing. I've always really liked uh, the work of Sally Mann, for example. Okay. And if you see, if you look at, of course, everyone, you know, her archetypal images are of her children in sometimes in serious settings, sometimes in expressive settings, sometimes, but, and, and, it, and, um, and that's what I would like to provide to my clients. Of course, I always get smiling shots and tickling shots, but I want to portray in their portrait the full breadth and depth of the experience of working with, of being a person, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for is intimacy and tenderness often. It depends if it's boudoir or family, but that those are sort of um those are sort of the specific things that I'm looking for with with boudoir also I'm I'm not looking for sexy first and foremost. Okay. So I think that is something um that makes my boudoir look different than a lot of people's and it's something that if you were looking for a certain kind of boudoir would be very off-putting. And if you're looking for a certain kind of boudoir, it would be very compelling, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and that kind of specificity is really important in coming up, not only with a distinct message, but imagery to back that up, or, or vice versa. <laughs> so I like the specificity of that. Anything else come to mind when, when you think about intimate? And by the way, that, that photograph of uh, the boy on on the homepage currently at rachelasimaphotography dot com. It's that that beautifully captures exactly what you're talking about. That very that the, the ten. It's first of all, it is tender in nature, not necessarily smiling, but it communicates a level of depth that is just it's lovely. And, and in some ways, it's kind of a breath of fresh air because you do see so many professional portraits where the person is cheesy, you know, whether, whether they're smiling genuinely or it's forced, um, this is definitely a shift and it's really nice. Thank you. It's very interesting that you asked that question. I, this is, this is a tangent, but I used to live in New York and like many New Yorkers, I participated in years of psychoanalysis and it's very, you saying this right now is like bringing that up. Like what are all of your, like I'm, I'm free associating right now. That's great. The, uh, that's perfect (laughs) actually with the word. And so I guess, um, I guess vulnerability. Mm, Okay. Dropping your guard, um, being as you are, those are all things that are intimate being that being unprotected in some ways and being seen in that way. I guess those, that's, that's what comes to mind for me. Being seen. Okay. That's interesting. Now what the, this idea of vulnerability, and I'm sure you've heard it countless times too, in our industry as of late, it's become very much a, uh, well, at this point, sadly, it's almost become cliche, but Mm -hmm. um, the word, the word itself can have a variety of meanings to the person depending on their specific context. I guess like very many words um, and, and ultimately in conversation, our context, our, our experience, right? It brings a certain context to the, to the conversation 
And so that word or that phrase or those words that you're hearing, they mean different things to different people depending on the situation. One of the goals with a clear and distinct brand position statement is to use words that convey a very distinct uh, and, and I should say specific meaning right. um, or even if there are words that could be taken slightly differently by different people, it at least takes the person in the general direction. And then maybe you have a little bit of subtext underneath or maybe the, the image um, further emphasizes what you're actually trying to communicate or some combination of the above. Uh, maybe there's further description, you know, further down on the page uh, beyond the fold where you're describing what the session looks like and, and ultimately what the person should expect. But we do have to make sure to use words that are going to resonate in a way that you want them to resonate mm-hmm. with, you know, let's say 80 or 90% of the potential clients that would read it. Uh, that's really important. And by the way, I'm not suggesting in any way that the word vulnerability or vulnerable can't be used, but I just want to throw that in there because I think it's really important that we keep in mind we've got to use words that don't just have meaning to us, but also are going to to ultimately convey what it is we, we want them to convey to a potential client who doesn't necessarily have the same life experience that we do. Sure. I mean, that brings up an, the idea of using a word that um, communicates to a client, what I'm what I'm attempting to communicate brings yeah. up a, a critical issue for me okay. that I uh, I photograph on film and it has an aesthetic, but most non photographers aren't good. They they probably can identify the aesthetic, but they cannot. They wouldn't name it as film. So right. that is a word. Those words are words I've been looking for for some time. How to communicate the look without confusing people with the word film. So, and and, uh, this is, I love this conversation already. So the idea of communicating that you photograph on film to a potential client, why is that important to you? Uh, I guess for me, there is, when I look at a film image, I see um, uh, typically, and this is not always the case. Some people are absolutely brilliant at editing and, and, uh, you know, good for them. But I know for my own work, when I look at a, a film photograph versus one of my digital photographs, uh, there is a sort of embedded luminosity in the image and there's a range of tonality yeah. and there's a, uh, there's a, usually some level of grain and softness. There's a creaminess. There's all, there's, there's all these visual cues that you're looking at a film photograph. And I think that For me, the reason I found film photography was when I was a bride and I was looking for a photographer and I said, that's what I want. I want, I want them to look like that. And I couldn't tell what, what I was asking for, but I, when I called these, these, when I had my discovery calls with these photographers, it turned out I was calling all film wedding photographers. And so I want to be able to put a word that is accessible to the public on my brand so that people can understand they are you know, understand what it is that they're seeing. What do you think, or in what way do you feel like them understanding what they're seeing? Um, how does that add value to, or more specifically, how does it convert them as a client versus yeah, them just seeing it? Do they need to understand it in order for them to, to buy what you are offering? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I do know that one thing I've noticed in when people write me reviews on Google or on Yelp or something, they always mention that I'm a film photographer. And I think that that's because the experience yeah. is, I take, you know, I always say it's 16 pictures and then you get a break because I get a medium, I have a medium format camera. It's a lot slower. I, you know, I don't, 
it, it's a lot slower of experience. I don't shoot very many pictures. It's very sort of ceremonial how we stop and reload the camera and chat. So I do think they are getting both a different experience and a different looking image from it being filmed, but is but potentially maybe that's not something that's a marketing message. Maybe that's just something they come to understand having worked with me in the past. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it's fascinating. I mean, you point out the fact that they are the ones saying that you they, they love your film photography having had the experience, but it didn't require you communicating to them that you shot with film in order for them to say those things, right? And That's t- true, yeah. Usually they don't know. A lot of times they think I'm, if I say I'm a film photographer, they think I'm going to throw some video in there. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And so that's where using something like film photographer is, it might be more important to us as photographers than it is to the potential client. You know, I could see it potentially being more important to specify that in a commercial environment, for example, mm-hmm. um, okay. than to a portrait client. Um, and, and specifically for boudoir, I think that's something that you can leave out. And it's funny that you bring this up because the initial, I, I jotted down a few potential brand position statements and one of the ones referenced, one of those statements referenced film. And then I realized I'm like, we're, we're stating something that isn't actually a value add to the client. It is as, as far as the overall experience and the finished look, but we don't have three paragraphs to communicate what it is that right. you're ultimately going to bring to them. So we need to focus on what actually is going to be valuable to that client. And the fact that it's done on film isn't the most important thing. They're going to see your images. They're going to be just stunned by them. Uh, but it's not because they know it's done on film. And like right. you said, it also takes away the potential confusion that comes yeah. from you saying film and they think that you're going to bring a video camera and <laughs> now they're even more nervous and, or potentially even just walk away because they don't want to be, you know, quote, filmed. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's great that we talk about it, the significance of it, but I think ultimately, as far as the position statement is concerned, you could probably leave it out. Okay. Now, I, feminism um, is a <laughs> word that also came up, and this is you know this is an interesting word because it can also kind of mean different things to different people, uh, women especially. What does it mean to you? A couple different things. I think most recently, I had a, a boudoir shoot. A couple, maybe it was uh, the third. March 3rd. And she said, you know, this is the first time I've done a, a photo shoot without my clothing on that I felt sensual, but I didn't feel like a sexual object. Mm. And for me, that is the female gaze that is photographing from a feminist perspective. Mm. It's it's seeing a, a person uh, as a whole person, not crafting them to fit an idealized male gaze perspective. And I think, and I hate to use the word feminism because I think there's a lot of confusion around it and it can be a scary word for people, especially if they, you know, I'm, I'm not requiring anyone to take critical theory class (laughs) before they come. So Um, But I do want a way to, people will say, oh, you're a boudoir photographer. You know, I've got this friend that's a boudoir photographer and I see their images and it's very like Maxim magazine, you know, and there's like a girl and she's like laying on her belly and her butt is stuck up in the air and she's all airbrushed and she's got like the orange toned skin and everything. And that is not the work that I do. Yeah. And so there's got to be some way for me to, and I, I know that the images will primarily 
um, also share that, but I want to share that it's inclusive. I, when I do a boudoir shoot, I don't edit out bruises. I don't try to hide, you know, I, I put my, my, um, clients in what are comfortable and, you know, classically flattering positions, but I don't try to do all kinds of tricks to make them look like their body doesn't look the way it looks. Instead, the process is about celebrating the way it does in fact look. So for me, that's a feminist approach to taking somebody's portrait. What do you think that that client that you photographed, what, what did, when they said that they felt sensual, but not like a sexual object. What does that that word sensual mean to them? Did they expound on that idea at all? I think she she felt that she was beautiful in her skin. Okay. And she was in touch with herself, but she did not feel like she was necessarily being performative. Oh yeah, performative. That's a Wow. That's a pretty powerful word when you think of, as you were pointing out, a lot of the, the boudoir photography out there. And not that there's anything wrong with it per se if, if that's what the person actually wants, but there, there is a trend toward a particular look in much of boudoir photography these days. Um, one of one of those trends that you also alluded to is kind of interesting is you know putting people in physical positions that they certainly wouldn't normally be in. And, and I understand that in many cases it's to emphasize a particular body part or emphasize a curve or a line um, or potentially to minimize an, a part of their body that they don't so much enjoy. But um, I, it, it sounds like, and I, man, I, I wish I could see some of these, these photos. I've seen a little bit of your boudoir work and some of the articles that you linked me to. Um, but it, it sounds like we're, we're definitely steering away from the, what has become almost a cliche look in boudoir photography and going to something that is a bit more, for lack of a better word, natural in nature. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely more natural. When I was thinking about this brand position conversation, I was thinking about other brands that I admire. And I realized that they were all brands that part of their messaging was about inclusivity. It was about not Photoshopping. It was about um, the beauty that is inherent in people being real. In my in my worldview, it's sexier to see a real person than to see a very highly photoshopped hmm. sort of image of what a, a person would be. I remember a construct. A construct. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I was maybe whenever back, way back, and this is to sidestep the whole conversation, some of the controversy of this business, but American Apparel, I remember way back when American Apparel existed and was a big deal. Yeah. And going into the stores and seeing these images of these girls that looked like girls that you could know. And they were in fact shop girls and they still had bruises and hair and, uh, and that was what made them so compelling because Mm. they looked like some, a girl that you would go to school with and think, wow, she's so beautiful. Um, and, and that's the kind of, that's sort of what I want to bring that, but without the controversy and without Dove Charney, <laughs> without, without all of the uh, problems of American Apparel, but I want to bring that level of like, it's sexy because it's you and because you are inherently good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's, and, and I mean, raw is another word that comes to mind, although mm-hmm. I know that's again, one of those words that can, can kind of carry different meanings depending on context and the person. Okay. So talk to me then about another keyword that I saw pop up femininity. Um, I'm not sure if in your mind, it's very similar to feminism. Does it have any other connotations? Femininity. So 
I like photographing women. Um, it's my preferred subject. I love photographing women. Almost in every other context, context that I photograph people, I am really focused on the mom at a family portrait, yeah. the bride at a wedding. Um, and I guess part of, I just, I think women are so beautiful and I'm not alone in this. I think like the history, art history teaches us that we are all of us in many ways, just moved by the beauty of women. And I like to, I like to try to examine the different ways that that's expressing itself in in a woman and sort of focus in on that. And I think we have a lot of, I'm, I'm very girly, but there's a lot of ways that you can be very feminine that aren't stereotypically girly. Sure. I remember on my wedding day, my bridesmaid was complaining about how she couldn't get a dress that was in her size. And she said to me, how are they not? Um, oh, because she was a, she was like a seven or eight months pregnant. Okay. And she said, how do they not have a dress for me at my most feminine? And I thought, wow, that is actually accurate. Like I'm here in an actual white tulle dress with a veil on, but you are truly at your most feminine in an, in a completely different way right now, in some ways more feminine than I am because you're you, here, you are pregnant, you know, mm -hmm. and there are just so many expressions of femininity and they're all so compelling to me. And I love to capture them. I love to share them. I love to see them. So that's what, that's where that comes from. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm, my mind just kind of perked up and I came up with an idea. So I'm going to try to keep talking and take notes at the same time. <laughs> I, I want to actually jump back to, to, you know, you were talking about intimacy and then expounding on your perspective on feminism. And there's actually a, a, a portion of a blog post that, that you sent to me. Can do you care if I read this out loud? Oh, no. Um, so you said, I believe the portrait and particularly the ultra intimate boudoir portrait are opportunities for women to build more positive, honest stories about themselves. To be clear, I'm not referring to glamour images meant for sexual consumption. I'm talking about intimate portraiture where the subjects don't hide their bodies under swaths of clothing. I wish we could invent a new, invent a new word for it, a word that would differentiate it from male gaze and objectification. In fact, I'm actively working on finding that word and using it to champion a new kind of portraiture. Did you end up coming with coming up with a word to kind of sum up that idea? <laughs> I have not found another word. The problem with language is that it's mutually constructed. So I can't have my own word. Mutually constructed. Some, that, you know, we have. Yes, we, that yeah. is a brilliant phrase. It really sums it up. So we need um we need the culture to come together around a word, and right now that the word for a photo shoot without your clothing on or with limited amounts of clothing on is still boudoir. I haven't found anything. Wow. Huh? Yeah. You know, imagine how I've mentioned this on podcast before, cause I'm a little bit obsessed with the idea, but it's, it's fascinating to me how complicated conversations become because we don't just simply use the dictionary definition. It's, it's like, eh, whatever the dictionary says, this is what it means to me. And I'm not going to take the time to define that ahead of time for you in this conversation. I'm going to use these words and then I'm going to assume that you know what I mean and you better understand it or I'm going to be pissed off if you don't. Like it just, it's, it's, it really is kind of ridiculously and unnecessarily complicated. But yet, because we are mutually constructing the definition of those words, 
um, we end up in a bit of a difficult place. But, you know, as funny as that is, and ultimately how frustrating it can be at times, that also brings us back to the significance of why it even matters that we really think through the words that we're using when we create this position statement, uh, because they can mean different things to different people in different contexts. It's important that we are specific. Just to return, what is what are your thoughts about the word feminist? I've been wondering about that, <laughs> what, about using that word, and you see it comes up. Like I'm, I try to pull back the, uh, it's in it's in my heart <laughs> to talk about yeah. uh, the male gaze and feminism and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's alienating, uh, or if it's not a, if it's inaccessible. <laughs> you know what? It, it would be. My perspective on it versus your general and, and and ultimately more specific female audience, whoever your target female audience is in this case, their perspective on it, they're going to be two different things, first of all. Sure. Um, and and I, would, I would actually encourage you maybe even to have some of those conversations. If, if you have some of your past boudoir clients that you can reach out to, just send them an email and say, hey, I'm, I'm you know, working on kind of uh, establishing a, a new boudoir brand stoked to work with you had a really great experience and would love to get your take on this word feminism because i want to figure out how to incorporate it into my brand in some form or fashion what are your thoughts um that might be a yeah, great that's, st- that's that's a great idea yeah and having that conversation might be really good because ultimately that's who you're going to be talking to um i could see where it might be a little bit polarizing but again that's that's assumptions on my part that are probably coming from you know personal experience it's not necessarily relevant so I, yeah i would i would have those those conversations as far yeah. as the the position statements that you see in your market i think you're actually in a really great place especially based on our conversation thus far um if you look at where the other boudoir brands in the sacramento market are right now none of them really had a very distinct um, or creative or unique brand position statement, if they had one at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, I jotted down some statements, and, and I actually did three different searches. I did one for Sacramento portrait photographer, one, as I mentioned earlier, for just Sacramento photographer, and then I did one for Sacramento boudoir photographer. So I'll just scan through the ones under boudoir photographer. Uh, this particular person said boudoir and family photographer in the greater Sacramento area. Um, again, this is an example of where, you know, two different genres of photography almost kind of conflict when you put them together. It's, it's, and, and I tend to play, as I say to, to, um, Haley, who this is the show, I say, I'm, I'm, I tend to play dumb, right? If I'm going to, I'm going to play not dumb because my consumer is dumb or my potential mm-hmm. client is dumb per se, but I need to kind of take it down to the base level is there a chance that somebody might get confused if I if, if this is the copy that I have on my website um, or this is the, the workflow, the user experience that I've created on my website? I want to make sure to minimize any potential barrier to entry. And in this case, boudoir and family don't really go together. So putting that in one phrase or sentence as a position statement, I don't think is ideal. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, another photographer had, uh, and this is playing on what became a very popular thing there for a while, to have three words that kind of represent what your brand is about. Um, they mm-hmm. said sexy, modern, intimate. Uh, so in this case, they're using intimate, but it really, that particular word, if you end up using it, um, I don't think it's going to be problematic because you're going to to much more depth and and describing what this idea of intimate even means. They threw in there sexy, modern, which kind of in some ways almost can conflict uh, with that notion of, of intimate, at least intimacy as you're describing. So I don't think there's anything to be concerned about there. Um, another person said, astonishing, elegant, timeless portraits from the heart. 
I'll let that speak for itself. I don't think it's very strong. Unleash your courageous beauty with a timeless, empowering boudoir experience. Um, again, using words there to become almost kind of cliche in nature. What does it mean to be cre- courageous? I know that's going to be different for different people. Um, timeless is a word that photographers have just way, way, way overused. And so it just doesn't have a whole lot of significance anymore. And empowering is becoming one of those words as well that, again, it's just it's so overused. Um, so not a really strong statement. Uh, the one that stood out to me uh, was this one that said photography for the untamed woman. Hmm. And, um, you know, again, even untamed is a word that that could be construed various ways, potentially even misconstrued like in a negative way. But I felt like, and I'd love to get your take on this, Rachel. I felt like that statement, it was colorful enough mm-hmm. um, that the, the person, I think that it is going to resonate with a certain person and, and definitely not with others. Um, you know, like a, a woman who is normally used to being this very conservative individual and, and ultimately because they want to, not because they're being forced to per se, that they're just, they don't relate to this idea of being wild and crazy and out there. Um, they're going to be like, uh-uh, that's not for me. And they move on, right? Um, what, what do you think about that phrase as a brand? Not not for you, obviously, but just in, yeah. as, in conversation. What do you think about that brand position statement? I it's great. It definitely calls to mind a certain kind of client and a certain kind of boudoir experience. I had one client that towards the end of the session, we climbed up on the roof and took pictures of her on the roof. It was in San Francisco. So that's awesome. um, there's like a skyline. So yeah. that's that client, you know, like the client that wants to get onto the roof naked. <laughs> Yeah. I see her going yeah. for that position statement, you know, not maybe your bridal boudoir client. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's definitely, but it's definitely, I think a strong position statement for a certain kind of boudoir client. Hmm. Yeah, I, I it, it, it is. It's one of those that's, it's vague enough that I think it'll draw on enough people. Um, but yeah. it's also specific enough um, that it's going to naturally filter out irrelevant clients. And um, anyway, that was the strongest one that I saw. Another person said the luxury boudoir experience, which I guess very simply, and especially because nobody else is saying it, um, was actually a relatively strong position statement as well. The caveat there is you really have to back when you're going to say luxury, because some photographers have used that word in various contexts. Um, it, it's easy to throw that word out there if you don't back it up with imagery that actually reflects that charge a price point that reflects the idea. Um, and then, then ultimately you're going to be hurting an effort to, to state something that, um, again, it's because it's been used enough, uh, could be a very watered down kind of a weak statement, um, if it's Mm -hmm. not backed up well. So uh, that was another one, another one, pinup boudoir glamour, just three words. Uh, another photographer had beautiful, natural fun. They didn't just offer boudoir photography, I don't believe, but that was again, another example of using three words, not a real strong statement. So all that say, you don't have, I mean, with the one or two exceptions, you don't have a lot of competition in this case, especially mm-hmm. in the area that that you're wanting to focus. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at a national scale, as many photographers' websites as I've seen, I think you're, you're even a standout uh, on, on a more national level as well. And there's really interesting opportunities if you wanted to expand beyond the Sacramento area, offering this particular kind of boudoir photography. Uh, I think it could be really, really interesting. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So let's just talk for a few minutes about potential position statements. I mean, as first of all, I'd, I'd actually be curious from your perspective and based on the conversation we've had, some of the key words we've discussed, is any phrase or statement come to mind that resonates with you? 
Well, I do want to ask a question. So sure. um, should my brand position statement say women and oh, oh, the one thing is there's a couple, there's a couple other things. So I only, fo- I only do a boudoir for women. Okay. Which is, seems like it might be a given, but in the San Francisco area, that is not a given. Oh, yeah, so not at all. I, I do need to um, make that distinction clear because I hate telling men that I can't do their boudoir portrait, but for my husband, that's a firm line. Fair. So I do want to say that somewhere. And also, should I be saying, is am I to include who I photograph and where I photograph in the brand position statement? In an ideal world, yes. Um, okay. if, if you can, you know, these are ways, various ways in which you can create distinction with that brand position statement. So if you're, if you're able to speak to the specific target market, the location in which you want to photograph, if you want to limit that, um, and then at the same time, also speak to the unique service that you're offering, the unique value that you're offering. If you can, if you can do that all in one statement, that's great. The, the other way to go about it though, would be to speak to the unique service that you're offering. And then in the subtext under that, um, you could still say boudoir photography or Sacramento boudoir photographer for the sake of calling out at least a location. Mm-hmm. And that way you've got the text there. And of course, you can build on that, expound on that too for SEO purposes. Uh, but you have that there on the homepage. And that's kind of a, a workaround, if you will. Okay. I don't, I don't have anything ready. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, no, no worries at all. I mean, um, you know, we, we use the word intimate quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And and even the possibility of including the word feminist in in the conversation. I mean, you you could go the direction um, intimate portraits for the feminist in you, but I think that that would be a it would be a pretty strong statement and potentially misconstrued. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't I don't think that I unfortunately think that when people think of feminism, they think of a poli- a strong political statement. Okay, and I actually experience feminism as just a way of living that values women, and so I want to be able to say that without bringing up the the politicized. I think so. I don't, but I'm not. <laughs> you see, this is why I'm talking to you because I don't know. I don't know how to do it. No, it's, but I, I think you, I think you make a fair point. And that's, that's what I was alluding to earlier when yeah. we were talking about the, the tendency for that word to be a bit polarizing in nature, because it does, um, I think for many people anyway, it's, it's going to paint this picture that may not be altogether accurate based on the feedback that you're giving me. Yeah. I want, I want people to feel like, I can come in and get my pictures taken for a gift to give to my husband. I'm totally, you know, excited for that and happy for them. And, and I'm, and my position is just, I'm not going to treat them or pose them in a way that, uh, values someone else's perspective over their own. That's, that's all, that's all that I mean by feminist in a sense. So I want to say that, but with a light touch. (laughs) No, that's fine. You know, I mean, here's the thing. In some ways, it's easy in this case as you're trying to figure out how to, to stand out to be different to maybe even overcomplicate it. It could it could be something as simple as intimate portraits for women. Mm-hmm. And if you start with something like that, now, what you ultimately then display to go along with that statement um, is going to make a big impact. I mean, if you right. if you start with an image, and I, I'm on the homepage of your your current site, Rachel, um, the SEMA photography, but I, I see the the eyes of your subject 
currently there. And and I'm thinking of something similar, obviously different context, a woman, mm-hmm. um, a little bit less clothing, but it, it's showing a certain level of vulnerability and, and intimacy all at the same time, kind of the, the raw uh, version of that person exposed for the camera, um, literally and figuratively. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think having the right image to back up a very simple statement like that right. could be yeah. could actually be really powerful, actually extremely powerful. What are your thoughts about that? No, I think that's that's that. I mean, that is the tr- the truth is that it's a visual. I'm literally selling a visual product, so it makes sense that the images would carry a lot of weight if they're very specifically in line with what I want to be communicating as brand message. There was another word that came up, um, just to throw another keyword into the mix, um, that I saw, it was either in one of your, your blog posts or potentially social media, exhilarating. And, and, it, and I'd love to get context to that. Off the bat, it seems almost to stand in contrast to this notion of the kind of quiet, intimate photographs that you've been describing. But does that word have a particular meaning to you, the exhilarating? I'm not sure where you read that, but it might have been a, a review. Interesting. Okay. And, and yeah, you're right. It may so have sometimes, been. yeah, sometimes I, I, I repost reviews from websites where they, like I take them off of Google or I take them off Yelp and I throw them up on social media in lieu of copy. <laughs> and I think that that's not a word I use. So I would bet that that came from a review. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um, I do find that that's one of the, I mean, that is one of the reasons I love boudoir. I have taken every kind of portrait except for male boudoir that there is possible to take. And women are always so happy after their boudoir sessions. And that is not guaranteed. I mean, that's not guaranteed, I guess, even with boudoir, but it's, you know, knock on wood. They're just so, they're like on cloud nine after their session. And that's, when you do a family session, people are worn out by the end. (laughs) Yes. Or a wedding, or there's so many kinds of por- of of photography jobs where you don't end on the highest note. But boudoir, I find people are just they just. I often tell them, you know, afterwards, if you want to go out to a restaurant or meet with friends or something like that, and sometimes they don't take me up on it, but I can tell when they leave the session, they're ready to go like party and socialize, and they're like a very like open, excited. Um, space. They're not exhausted, you know? So there is exhilarating is that I, I'm I'm pretty sure I know whose review that was. I do think that's a feeling that people do walk away from the experience. Exhilarated. What about invigorated? Yeah, I think, I think both. Although does invigorated, does that bring the mouth like mouthwash to you? Do you is that just me that thinks of mouth? <laughs> I really? Know. I don't know why that for some reason I had that That's mental hilarious. association. <laughs> is there a commercial somewhere with that word? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. That's the problem with that's the problem with associations. I found yeah. when we were trying to name our daughter, you know, it was really just trying to find a name that my husband and I didn't have any weird associations with. You know, we went through hundreds of names that we were both like, oh, I know somebody from third grade who walked kind of strange and had that name. No, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I guess invigorated to me, it's it connotates the idea of being energized. Energized. Yes, I do like that. Yeah. Invigorated. Energized. I think I like better than invigorated. 
but I, I'm still I'm still kind of fixated on on the picture that's in your homepage right now and thinking about how incredible it would be if you were to be able to capture comparable images in the context of boudoir photography and energized, invigorated, or anything comparable. It seems to kind of kind of take away from that the feeling that feeling that I get seeing that type of an image. I think it's a great benefit. Um, it's certainly a value add. I mean, I think about the word empowering again, but it's it's just so overused these days. It feels like it would almost be cliche if we put that on your site, you know? It does feel overused. And especially in the, you know, we all sort of surround ourselves with the kind of, you know, in, in the social media world I surround myself in, it is way overused. But that is where my ideal clientele is. But I think she's also exhausted of that word. <laughs> What does the word honest mean to you in the context of this type of photography? If you're wanting to convey a certain level of honesty or capture a certain level of honesty in the eyes of your subject in the context of boudoir photography, what is that? How does that resonate with you? I love the word honesty. I think honesty is probably so there's a couple different things that are coming up also, which is that some of the words we're using describe the experience and yeah. some of them describe the photographs. So I would say honest describes the photographs, whereas energizing does not describe the photographs at all, but does ex- describe the experience. Hmm. Like I think that the portraits I take with boudoir are kind of, they look a lot, lot more like they're a little bit more fine art in style. You know, there's a lot of like, there's not a lot of uh, movement right. or there's not a lot of projecting emotion outwards. So I wouldn't, but I do find that the experience feels very energizing. I think it looks more honest. I don't think it necessarily feels honest or dishonest, right? Does that make sense? So it's like, I guess the uh, positioning statement should reference the images or the experience or both. Hmm. That's a really wonderful question. And I love that you're making that distinction between the experience and the imagery itself. The images ultimately are going to be part of the experience and that that's the finished product they walk away with. Right. right. Um, there's, there's how you make them feel in the moment in the interaction with you. And then there's ultimately how they feel in the long run, coupling that experience with the finished product that you give them. And you know, the, I guess one of the questions that I would ask would be what is the value of the images being intimate? What are the value? What is the value of the images being honest and maybe that value is going to depend on the person. So if, if you speak to the significance of honesty, I think most people in the context of, again, especially the images back it up, in the context of boudoir photography, they see that you don't have, you don't have pinup images there. You don't have these constructs of a woman's sexuality depicted through your, your images. There is an honest, intimate portraiture depicted in your work. And, and I, I don't know, I... I, I that that in and of itself, I think, is going to speak to a certain target market mm-hmm. um, without having to speak to the, the you know the feeling that they have of invigoration right. after they walk away, um, especially because it has become so cliche to speak to this notion of empowerment. I don't want to minimize the significance of it, obviously, but we're trying to create a statement that is that is unique, honest, intimate portraiture for women is. I think a, a simple yet very powerful statement coupled with the type of photography that you offer. And I think it could be a really great brand position statement. Yeah, I love it. 
I actually really do. It's very, <laughs> it's very my style to like overcomplicate things, but I love how simple that is. Well, and you know, something like honesty, um, it's not as, it's not overused the way that some of these other cliche terms we've referenced during our conversation are. So I think, I think it's, there's room to use it. It's certainly not used in your market. One of the things that you have to consider when, when, you use a particular word in a position statement is what's the opposite of that thing? Honesty versus constructed or contrived. And so I think you're actually speaking to a really important component of what it is that you're offering to your client based on our conversation today. Um, Intimate versus what, what's kind of the opposite of the word intimate that comes to mind for you? I guess performative. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, And this is kind of an interesting um, experiment to to play on for everybody listening in. I mean, I, I love the conversation here, by the way, Rachel, because it's it, this back and forth and kind of brainstorming together is, is a great mm-hmm. point of reference for our listeners. But for our listeners, this is something to do. If you're going to make a statement, if you're going to use a particular word, think about what the opposite of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look to see if there are others in your market who are playing on that opposite idea so that you, that enables you then to more distinctly stand in contrast to them. I think that's really important to note. But yeah, performative is kind of the opposite of intimate. Contrived is the opposite of honest. And this very much stands in contrast to some of the boudoir photography that you see, not just in your market, but in the larger market, in the California market probably, but then U.S. Mm-hmm. market as well. So I think you're, I think you're getting some, getting a, getting to a really great place here with this statement, honest, intimate portraiture for women. Um, you've, you've called out your target market. Uh, you've made that distinction. And, you know, if you wanted to underneath, again, for the sake of SEO and a little bit more uh, specificity, you could say boudoir photography in Sacramento, California, you could broaden that and say Northern California, or you could potentially work that text or copy somewhere else into the homepage. But the key would be to have that position statement above the fold. For everybody listening in, if you're not familiar with the concept above the fold, that means without having to scroll, whether you're on a desktop site or the mobile site, make sure that the position statement and the image or images that should go with that statement sit above the fold so that you don't have to scroll to see either of them. That's really important to note. But I think I think you're well on the way to something really great with this. Thank you. That, that means a lot. Can I ask you one other question? Please, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Okay, so I am I struggle with the concept of a portfolio of images. I don't know if other photographers experience this, but it's really hard for me to evaluate which are my best photographs given the sheer number of photographs we're talking about. Sure. And I'm thinking about for this new website that I'm building, doing just three places you can click through, three pages that each feature one woman's, a few photographs from one woman's session. So not a variety of photographs of a variety of different women, but to give you a little bit of a sense of what one woman's session would look like. What do you think about that? As opposed to showing my best image, best boudoir images of, you know, that I've been photographing for years, just choosing three sessions and choosing the best set photos from those sessions. Are you, do you think you would be doing that just to kind of minimize the stress on your part of having to, to pull from all those images or are you, is there a different motive there? Uh, two different things. So one thought is it gives you a sense of what it would be like, what your gallery might look like, okay. right? Because you're not going to get a gallery of 
a variety of different locations and you're not a variety of different people. And the other thing is like, I do think that it's sort of impossible to, I mean, um, think about how many pictures you've taken in your life. How would one even approach knowing how can one even know what is their best 15 <laughs> of those, you know? I, yeah, I, I don't, I think that that might be setting the bar so high that it, that it does then kind of complicate the process. My suggestion, and, and I'll say something similar that, as, as I do to photographers, you know, I obviously I own a company called Photographers Edit. We do editing for photographers. But if I ever am coaching a photographer, if, if I know, for example, that they're going to do their own calling, we're not going to do that for them. What I say is, Rather than going through and figuring out, because a lot of photographers will take the approach with culling, and this is this is highly relevant to going and choosing your favorite images, where <laughs> it's like if I don't choose this image, it's almost there's almost like this psychological block that that's saying if you don't choose it, it's it's going to be gone, like it's going to be deleted, and and <laughs> so even though that's not actually the case, there's this fear of not choosing it. If you kind of reverse that and just say I want to choose one or two that stand out to me. Mm-hmm. And you focus on picking one or two in a series versus having to delete the rest because um, there's no mm-hmm. need to actually delete. Um, it's that mentality of just picking one or two that stand out to you immediately that I think would work better here versus going in with the the idea that you have to choose the best of the best of the best because that the best is very subjective in nature. You're going to spend endless time trying to compare, you know, this one to that one. I would just pick out a few that stand or, you know, many for that matter that just stand mm-hmm. out from each session, pick, call it three from each session that just stand out to you immediately as you're scrolling through without having to try so hard and and just run with it. And Mm -hmm. why this might ultimately be more applicable is if you do show, you know, not not even necessarily complete sessions, but more images from each session, but you only do that two or three times, there's a chance that you might limit who you might have the opportunity to work to or work with if that person whose values resonate with your position statement, the type of Im- imagery that you're showing on the homepage, if they don't see themselves in that gallery, mm, let's say their, yeah, that's interesting. their body type isn't exactly the same. They're like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm uncomfortable because I don't look like those three galleries. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to go to this versus if you have you know 10 or 15 sessions, two or three images from each or even just one for that matter, mm-hmm. but that represent a wide variety of body types, um, ultimately though, all consistently representing the brand position, um, that might end up being more inclusive in that you can resonate with or connect with more potential clients. No, that's a great point because I think inclusivity is one of my like key values. So I think that is a really, really, really good point. Okay, cool. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about, first of all, this conversation today, because I think there's, there's a lot of value in it for, for um, our listeners, and I hope for you as well. But I'm just really excited for this position that you're landing on and moving on, because there really isn't, I haven't seen much of this represented in the boudoir world in our industry um, in the last two or three years. I think you've landed on something really beautiful, Thank and you. I'm excited to see what you're able to do with it. Thank you so much. This has been just such a pleasure and so helpful. And just thank you so much. Oh, no, it, it truly is my privilege. Um, I, and I think hopefully the privilege of our listeners as well. Will you just share with them briefly where they can follow your work online moving forward? Sure. Uh, so you can find me at uh, rachelsemaphotography.com. And I'm also at uh, Rachel Sema Photography. Um, on Instagram. And I 
will share there when I have a new my new website up, which will hopefully be soon. Yes. I'm excited for you. Please do let me know. We'll make sure to share that um, with the photography industry, with our listeners. And um, thanks again, Rachel, for making time for all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.